Welcome to Marketing Money Podcast. Roll it! Sound like an animal, didn't it? I don't know. I what were you we, doing? Huh? What were you doing right there? I, was, I had a small seizure from that sound <laughs> you were making. It was discordant with my biorhythm, and it locked me up. I Back lock. to the marketing I money know this podcast was the fainting today. Goat, the fainting goat podcast. Look at those, those YouTube goat videos. This is going to be one that um, we don't get a bunch of completions because they're just going to turn it off after that. I hope so. That's good. Weird resurgence, weird that I use that word, hint, hint, foreshadowing, in the, remember the Clooney movie, The Men Who Stare at Goats, and he's like, goes to Fort Bragg, you know, big army base, and like, has convinced people he has mental powers. And, I don't think I've seen that movie. Well, somebody sent me a link of Joe Rogan laughing at people with fake martial arts. The same guy's like some fake martial artist. The men, it's like, he's a real person. Clooney did a movie. I don't know why I brought that up, but it was real funny. Resurgence. Goats. 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 There's goats in it. There's goats in it. Or the goat. Greatest of all time, which I think is so weird that that became the the speak of everybody. Well, he's the goat. He's the goat. I think that's pretty pretty lame, to be honest with you. But whatever. So today, this is going to be a weird segue, try to connect these things. But as we come back into being regular banks, as regular as can be, from COVID and out of all the issues that everyone's facing that impact banks, as things get, I don't like the word new normal, but the next normal or whatever it is. When Better? It, when it becomes settled, when things get a little more settled. Mm. How does a brand make a resurgence to, to the point of this? And so let's talk about a couple of two or three or four brands that aren't banks, because I, I feel like a lot of times we get too insular echo chambery into our little world of, of bank speak and bank, like, what's that bank doing? What's that bank doing? Oh, what are oh, they we doing? Oh, so copy. And you realize that you I mean, don't relate to anybody in the world outside of a bank person. And, well, when and somebody's you, asking me, like, show me a bank of our exact size where you've shown success, like, it doesn't work like that. Just so I don't have to tell you on the phone and, and embarrass both of wait, us. Wait, like, wait, tell, tell the story in roundabout ways, if you can, of, of I think it was a bank or some client that said, could, yeah, so yeah, I know there was like, you don't have to give it a preface. I know what, yeah. you're, I know what you're getting to. Because I like the story. Well, let, let me let me finish this little rant. If you feel like, whether it's my agency or Jim Panos or FMS or I don't know who else there is, and you feel like you've got, like, I'm a $1.2 billion bank and I've got to go find another agency that helped a bank just like our size. Let's not have this conversation one-on-one. It, it's just, Yes, that would be great to find, but does somebody know your industry or are they just a good local agency? Please stop letting that be one of your decisioning. The local the local thing? No, 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 not local, but like the risk mitigation. Like the I, I know everybody's really worried about hiring the wrong agency. It's all a gamble. It's a gamble for us too. If we're gonna like working together and all that. Yeah, it's a gamble for you to get a new bank partner. Because yeah, you gotta but, put energy and time and bandwidth. But thinking into it. that you're going please dispel the, the the notion that you're gonna find somebody that can make your bank successful because they made a bank your same size successful. Now, I would say there is definite benefit in a company like mine that does that knows the industry 
But there can be benefits of being local and knowing your locality if you're a community bank just as much. I just think it's a really weird, show me where you had a success with a bank just like ours. It just it well, doesn't work. Well, people want to see work. Right. I mean, and, if I'm a I, bank, I want to say, show me some examples. And, and look, there's nothing evil or wrong with it. I'm just saying, let's concentrate on other factors that matter way more than that. Like, are, we get, are you good at your job? Can you do, you know, are you good at bank marketing? $13 billion bank, other than resources, how we approach marketing is not much different than when it was $2.5 billion. It's scale, budget, and delivery and execution. It's because a bank, uh, a $4 million bank in the footprint versus a top three bank in the footprint of Renaissance footprint, still offer very similar services. It's just communicating it better. And delivering better. And delivering better. But it's just like anything, you know, like, oh, he worked with Burger King, and then, you know, uh, Wendy's needs to hire that person. Eh. Anyway, so let me tell the story that you want to tell, because it goes along these lines. Because it does. It is, a client told me. I remember me, when you called me, like, like a little bit after you, like, listen, to this, and I don't even know the client, because Josh doesn't, we don't disclose that stuff, but he called me, and he's like, listen to this story. So I got a call. And this was, I can definitively tell you that this was even the first part of it. So they were, man, I think we're, we're just getting a little stale. Like, like we're, you know, we're not really changing the stuff up. I think you've been playing it safe, thinking we want to play it safe. So we're going to let you off the chain. So when we meet next week, go mad men, yeah, bring we all the ideas. We want to see an idea that's totally new and revolutionary. Now, let me tell you something. Creativity in its root is the most difficult thing we can do. Being creative. That means creating something means making something that was not there before. It's the blank slate, the blank canvas, the blinking cursor and the word processor. It is, it's the part that is the hardest to get started generally. And so it's always intimidating, but it's always, it's why I'm in the creative business is getting that challenge. And um, it's that, you know, it's undiscovered territory and all that. So it, it really, you know, fires me up. But I um, sat down with a guy that worked with us at the time, one of our, I guess, creative directors. And we, I don't even remember, I need to go track all this down. We made something that was truly unique and truly at least good, if not great, in its first iteration. So it doesn't have to be, when you're creating it, let's get something on the board that, that's at least unique and, and, and new. But it, it really transcended that, whatever the idea was. And so the client shows up and we're like, we, we answered the call. You told us to bring back something truly unique, truly innovative, yet still relevant in your space. And we present it, and we slowly turn back to the client. And the client, I remember, was at the other end of the table and looked, at, looked me dead in the eyes and said, yeah, that, that is truly unique. Can you show us where someone else has done that before? <laughs> and that is not... I'm just hoping they got their words wrong. Like in other words, they, they no, I, or I, they didn't know they had asked you to do something totally different to present a new idea to enter into the marketplace of brand. No, I think it's exactly what I was talking about earlier. And there's nothing evil in this. There is nothing evil. You should always do your due diligence. No, you but should the story always, is bring us something totally new, and then you deliver it. But but understand, even if that, they didn't like it, they say or whomever it is goes. Well, show me where another bank did that. But and you're it just is like what? It, it's our root fear to not take risk because that's when you can look dumb. Well, if we do this, we're going to waste money. We're going to look dumb. We're going to look foolish. So understanding the juxtaposition of that. Well, it's if, like the thin to line. Be be, it's the thin line between crazy and genius. Yeah. But you're going to have to take risks to be unique. 
I had them clarify, and I said, well, you told me to bring you back something unique and cutting edge. I can't show you something that's yeah. kind of like someone else here that we did and, for and someone it, And else. it was kind of like McConaughey. I, I can't show you where somebody else did it because you need it. be a lot cooler if you did. Yeah. like There is a balance, in the, and, and, and unlike a lot of stuff in marketing, there is a mutual exclusivity between tried and true and cutting edge and unique. And in banking, we don't have to tr- we don't have to be cutting edge. Amazon, there's a a huge gap where we can make up. Again, there's nothing evil with wanting to reassure yourself, your stakeholders, your executive management, your board that you made every great decision. But I think bank think gets in the way. It's risk mitigation yeah. becomes, and and I think that would be a good reason because look, it happens to me too. Yeah, but when I speak to bank marketing and have written about bank marketing, I said we're one of the hardest industries to market. Because we're risk adverse, we don't like to spend money unless we're making money. Uh, it's hard to ROI brand. There's similarity in the products and the regulation. You do something that's different that doesn't meet a requirement, whether it be by accident or on purpose, you can get hammered by regulators. You know, there's regulatory risk in doing something that's different that doesn't look like another bank because regu- even reg- if it's within regulation, there's no standard with which to judge it. Oh, this looks different. Well, tell me about this. Like, regulators well, we and auditors do a lot of benchmarks. I mean, it is. I mean, in um, CRA, your FDIC judges you within a peer group, um, oh, yeah. n- not not just against the world, but against a group of banks like yours. So I under I I do really understand the need. I do really understand the well, need. Well, there's product parity. I mean, yeah. everyone's but got there, but four there, basic checking accounts. But I do think risk risk mitigation can be. You can mitigate risk in marketing, but you cannot start your journey on trying to rid- mitigate risk. Now, you should make a great fit, but there are a lot of other factors. I have a blog, so you want to hire an agency um, at Mabus Agency that talks about the factors that I think are much more important. One of those is just fit and report. Look, if you're not a good agency, don't interview them. Like, if they don't know the industry and you want somebody that knows the industry, don't interview them. But finding that perfect fit... It's hard. Is, well, it's, it's impossible. It's because like, at the end of the day, like, look, it's not like we don't have to stop and make... I looked at a spot earlier, not for you guys, but for another client that we storyboarded it, we timed it, we did, um, we did. It's an animated video. We did animatics and and keyframes and all this stuff. And then when we, when we put the voiceover with the music with the final animation, there's a part in it that lags. Not real big, not real bad, but we have to fix it. Now I'm my expertise in fixing that before the client sees it is not based on the fact that I marketed another bank exactly their size it's based on the fact that i know creative and i know pacing and i know this and that but i know that i'm not going to waste any bank's money i'm not going to put that back to them so as good as i am at what we do and all this expertise it was still when we got all the pieces together it wasn't as good as it could be yeah so what we do a lot and the reason rapport is needed and that trust based on relationship is more it it's, can't be trust based on he knows what he's doing because he worked on a bank my size. And I don't shut up beating that dead horse. But we're going to go back and adjust the pacing, move some stuff around and make it great because knowing creativity, knowing communication, knowing messaging. This went sideways from where, but I really like the direction it went in into picking an agency as well as when you ask your agency for work or you're working with them because most of it's a, a partnership. I think there needs to be some guidelines in what you want. You know, just, hey, we want a new brand. Hey, we want an ad campaign around checking. Hey, we want to promote our commercial lenders. Do something different. You know, I, I hear, how do you differentiate yourself? Well, you just did a thing. And you're just like, 
we'll, we'll go to an ABA conference who, you know, hopefully they'll come back with some great conferences, which they've already had, but after yeah. we can get back to non-social distancing. The word that streamlines through my 15 years of being a bank marketer is differentiation. Everyone likes to talk about, likes to talk about how they differentiate themselves, yet none of them really do, in my mind. I can think of four or five banks that, that, have a, that do some things that are different, but I guess, but your products are the same. Your regular, your regulars are the same. Your stories are the same. Your boards are similar. Like everything's kind products, of, all yeah. That. So it's like, what do you really do that makes you different? I think it's a nuance. And what we find, and I think what has carved out a niche and success for us, is being experts in finding that that little something that's different. That well, you did it with Renaissance Mortgage. Yeah, I mean that's that's a pretty good example that. He went down and kind of strategic roundtabled our mortgage and found out that the one thing they did was they get people home on time. And that was the taken out of we were faster on average at closing a loan than most of our competitors. More more accurate to your closing projections. Yes. So if we said we're going to do it in three weeks, it was three weeks Mm -hmm. or close to it where others and even in the surveys, it was like when I worked with Bank X, they said three weeks, it was four weeks. And we were, if we were off, it was a day yeah. versus, you know, a long time. And so we said, look, we get you home on time because the sort of a double entendre, but also we're getting you on the timeline we said we would. And so we had to basically sit down with our customers to be truth and advertise and say, here's the timeline we want to give you when we do a mortgage. Call and your we shots. Did. But it was good because it gave an internal call too to our people that we need to get this done in, you know, whatever day yeah, the timeline it lets you, was. It lets you communicate your standards. Weird technical thing that happened there, you know, that it can never happen to you. Another company in Michigan, Minnesota, Northern M Company, or another Northern M State, literally at the same time that we had the idea. They didn't copy us. We didn't copy them. Mortgage, standalone mortgage company beat us by like five days registering the trademark. Nothing ever happened with it. But oh, yeah. It was, and, and they didn't use it the same way we did in marketing no. either. But it was just a like there's like the home on time mortgage. Like you right. can go get a mortgage called the home on time mortgage yeah. for you. But we abandoned your the, timeline or whatever. The position, I think, just to. Yeah, yeah we were it, already out. At that point, we yeah, run it. We run the campaign and, and we all were out. Of that. It's funny, like it never mixed because of geography, but it was a it was a great nuance, you know, component to the campaign. I mean, there's. You know, we worked with a with a bank in um, in an area that had gone a, a small kind of I guess like you call it sort of a micropolitan area that the whole area I think there was it's fair to say there was an investor in the, in the town that really liked banks had a lot of net worth and was starting banks and making them I don't know how, how to say it um, making the the balance sheet very enticing at that time to a, acquisitive banks. By giving low, uh, paying for deposits, preferentially priced loans, but then would like spend these bank, like with starting banks and spend them off. So attracting clients, and then they would become a, um, then that brand would become a big bank brand, community bank to big bank. And so, what I don't know if we developed this term, I don't think I've seen it, but what we said this area had was merger fatigue. Like it was weird because it's this little insular area. And every week there's a new bank. Yeah. I mean, almost. And they were just like, it was in the South, and Southerners were like, I don't, you know, going, you know, they're, they're insular to, to a degree. I don't want to be told what to do. And, well, here's your new bank. Well, I don't like that. <laughs> they had merger fatigue is what we called it. And, again, maybe it's a term that we didn't coin or whatever, but um, we developed a tagline for the bank that was here today, here tomorrow, juxtaposing on the here today, gone tomorrow. 
because we kept hearing that phrase, you know, I, my bank, you know. Here today, gone tomorrow. And being able to lean into that, but juxtaposed a bit. The bank did, this was this bank was not in, involved in that, had, had the same ownership since its inception in the late 1800s. But it was a differentiation of a tagline that led to a bigger discussion of, is your bank going to be here And tomorrow? they did not ask me, show me where somebody else has done this before. It, kind of weirdly on the first example is somebody was doing it at the same time. Well, banks but, are different. Right, but it, but it was a, a differentiation. So it is difficult, and I guess even that first example shows how difficult it is to truly differentiate because there's going to still be somebody, statistically out of 6,000 banks, 7,000 credit unions, that does something similar to how you do it. So it's not easy to do, but I would say that's, that's the tough part of the business is I mean, you, you did, a, I would say, a very expected-type campaign called Meet the Bankers. Still going on. Still going on. And that, I don't claim that for it to be – I don't claim for it to be anything special as far as creative. I do claim for it tactically to be well, a pretty there's a, good, there's a banker pretty that good had, delivery. Don't know what the question was that listed the response, but he talked about doing Taekwondo with his son. I mean, I, this sticks out to me. And I remember us – you know, we talked about it. I said, that guy's going to get some business. He's been calling on somebody for – five years to get a meeting with them and they're going to see it on LinkedIn and say, man, I know you did Taekwondo. My son does karate I've, or whatever it may be built. The, the differentiation is in the nuance, in the messaging of it. I mean, there are a lot of stories like that where, where people get, it's called meet the bankers. So we already know what it is. I'm a banker. Yeah. I'd like your banking business. Our friend Will Robbins talks about technology and differentiation, but it's really about human connection, which speaks to his youth in the business. Well, and exactly what he does too in his business is, you know, he's meeting his clients and taking care of them and, and but giving them a tool. He's human. He's there when they need a human connection, but he gives them the tools and resources when they need it. He explained it better than you wouldn't ever really put that out in a brochure because nobody really cares to read it. But you can but listen. when they need it, they care. Yeah, but you can listen to Will talk about it, and um, it's good. Yeah, and you can look up Meet the Bankers on Renaissance Nation. And we've spoken about it before. Uh, but to the point of all this, I think what it gets back to is coming out of a pandemic whenever it ends and, I, and I, the next normal, as we'll call it, is is how are you going to differentiate? Because really, you can it's almost a reset. You know, the economy is going to have to come back in a way where there's a vaccine or some type of therapeutics. There'll be some type of reset of where we can go, what we can do much more than there is now. Even and what the focus on banking has been, because the, the, the two stories that you've heard on banking. Which we've spoken about on here. Are loan forgiveness, can't, you know, all of that side and PPP. Like that's every news story, that's been the focus. So there's well, almost, there's the, the consumer side is the rapid adoption of digital. Right. So I think there's two stories. I knew it, where you were going. I, I was going to say the two is the PPP relationship side right. and then the digital adoption. Right. You know, that but it's fast forward us. In Corona. Yes. And coronavirus. So there's almost a, hey, guys, this is what you need to think about when you think about banking. And I think it's worth looking at least for a few minutes at, at two brands we've talked about. Again, we talked about jumping outside of banking after this more of a preface than the meat. But one, I understand sort of what happened. I think it's worth a case study. And the other one, I don't at all. One's Champion. Which I believe is owned by, by Haynes and whoever owns the Haynes brand. It's Champion's part Which of that. is, um, now Fruit of the Loom is, um, what's his name, it's Warren all, Buffett. It's all the same. Champion went from, I have some shorts I bought that are still, you know, like not very old. I got on Amazon or something. I was like, I just want some like cheap, no frills, athletic shorts. Mesh shorts, yeah. Yeah, just mesh. Drawstring mesh shorts. Yeah. Like the cheapest, simplest ones, 
were like $5.80 a pair. I mean, it was something, and I got like 15 just yeah. so I would always have some clean not? gym shorts. And they were Champion. And now Champion has like, at Dick's Sporting Goods, it like, has like its own section next to Nike Adidas. It rebranded as almost a premium, but it didn't rebrand. Brand. Yeah, like, it replaced itself. So I don't. Which could be re- rebrand placement. I don't if, know. And if I'm not mistaken, and I seem to remember this that Under Armour, Baltimore-based Under Armour, started as a Walmart brand. I remember. I think I. It may be the Mandela effect, which is you know like false memories. Believe that being in Walmart, and then it. Became a. I don't know about that, but I do know that it's weird. I feel like Under Armour doesn't, given we're not in a metro market, but doesn't play off their athletes like Nike does. I mean, they've got Steph Curry, they've got Tom Brady, they've got some that I'm probably not remembering. But and that's just side note. Like, I think Nike, I think Jordan, and I think LeBron, and then a few of the other athletes. When I think Under Armour, I think, and maybe it's because where we, I think of those hunting shirts and the Under Armour kind of camo stuff. But that's probably more regional. I'm sure if I lived in New York or Boston or Baltimore, I would think of it as more of an athletic room. But to your point, Champion has kind of reset itself in the marketplace. Is that that's what we're getting at here, right? Is that it took some type of resetting of its brand in the public mindset, or maybe it just went to retailers and said, "We'll pay more for premium space on the floor next to Nike, Adidas, and uh, Under Armour." But I, I don't know. It's it's weird that it's kind of refashioned itself as a nostalgic yet quality brand and i'm not saying it wasn't quality to begin with isn't that where you're kind of going with it yeah and the only thing i can think of because i don't i know growing up in winston-salem north carolina we had a a champion haynes outlet and i used to love go there because you could get socks and the mesh shorts and then they have some college you know branded stuff and it was pretty cool and i think due to it being an outlet it was inexpensive as compared to going to your dicks or your uh you know, play it again, or what, well, not play it again, whatever sports store yeah. you want to go to. The only cultural thing I could point to, because a lot of this stuff rebounds because of culture, is um, Chance the Rapper, very popular artist, wears champion. That's the only point I found. Now, there's an Esquire that talks, it's really kind of the brand, the brand manager talking about it, and it's, in my opinion, sorry if you read this brand manager of champion, it's kind of like, I'm sort of humble bragging, trying to take credit for it, but not. It just kind of came back. It's a good play. It just came back. And it's some 90s nostalgia that I think there was a lot more champion back then. When I saw it, I represent. I was like, I'm surprised Guess Jeans hasn't made a comeback. Yeah. I I mean, because like it was the thing in the 90s. It was the thing. And like it was that that square pointed down on your back pocket. Triangle. Sorry. Triangle in the back pocket. I don't know why it's And here's the deal. I think I had like one, one pair. I mean, they were $150 jeans when, I don't know, $100 jeans when Levi's were. 30 or 40. Yeah. And it was a deal like you see nostalgia come back when people can afford the thing they couldn't have. You know, like now that I'm adult, I can go get guess. But I don't know. Who knows? Who, who knows who wound I up with that brand? I think there's got to be still value in that brand, though. You would think. And maybe it is. The other one, which. Hey, guess who's back? That'd be pretty good. <laughs> oh, I was like, straight what? Out, you straight get, out the You straight, got me. There's your campaign. <laughs> oh, that's part of the uh, Magner co brand of the under, underbrand. The other one that I think is equally inexplicable but is understandable um, both by making something new that's different and then promoting it. I think they promoted their way to this is the Popeye's chicken sandwich. Yeah. and They made a superior product they out of stuff they already had. 
I mean, they bought some buns. I think there's like a brioche bun. Yeah, but it's excellent. It, yeah. And it's, you know, their rivals, Chick-fil-A, in this space, and they've tried to just kind of upsize. It's larger. Uh, the bun. From my understanding, somebody there said, go beat the Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich. Like, make a better chicken sandwich. And sometimes you do that and you wonder, like, you can beat a product and it still doesn't sell because it doesn't catch on. But they did both. They yeah. sold it. I mean, you can go to Popeye's. And get maybe it's regionalism, I don't know, but you can go to a Popeyes here between eleven and one, and you, there's it's a wait and the lines out into the street mm-hmm. and every there were fights and you can pull up to the window and, and ask whomever's working say hey how's the chicken sandwich so and they'll be like oh it's going crazy like they'll it's amazing They're, we're selling yeah. them you know it's every day we're selling two hundred of these things in an hour. Well, they also started with I don't know probably a bad example, but Elvis Presley when history lesson but we're in the place where elvis was born supposedly his manager tom parker like if he was going to chicago to play they wouldn't put him in like a i don't know what the big arena is in chicago or was at that time he would play like saint charles and bloomington and like all these small towns with like a few hundred capacity so that there was more demand than than elvis presley could meet yeah scarcity does help uh, drive value. Yeah, I mean, and I think Popeyes. Had I don't a, think they had tried a to get earned media. Good, they had a ridiculously good Twitter campaign, though. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if they went and got influencers that weren't you know, celebrity influencers, but got people in communities to to promote. I'm going to say their pictures. PR company. Whatever too, they did, it was on the news. They a played lot. it. They played it well. Yeah, they, they did well. rebrand during all that too. Now it was a, Louisiana Kitchen. It was it was a little bit of a passive rebrand. Introduced pattern that we've talked well, about. Well, and they before. dropped Popeyes in the Popeye character because that yeah. I, that used to be the Popeyes, you know, spinach guy with yeah. the pipe and olive oil. They dropped that. There's a whole story about it. Not a real innovation. I mean, putting chicken between sl- buns is not incredibly innovative. Again, especially a product you already sell. So being able to reintroduce an existing product slightly repackaged. I think is an opportunity that banks have uh, in front of them. So here's your quick history. Uh, They were closely associated, the Popeye cartoon character and Popeye's chicken, until 2006, uh, which King Features Syndicate, which owns the characters and marketing and tie-ins to Popeye, the television show, and the company associated split their partnership, and they went from Popeye's as the official Popeye restaurant with the sailors as mascot to Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen, and they dropped all imagery of Popeye the Sailor Man. So from 1972 until uh, 2006, Popeye the Sailor Man was the Popeye's chicken mascot and image in their marketing. I just don't. Know, I mean, other than having the name Popeyes, yeah, they they didn't. Have I don't spinach. really know how uh, Louisiana Kitchen with a you know kind of whatever. Well, there's a whole story behind it which we will not bore you with that you can Google. But anyway, to that, I think we've run up on a probably our time day of our our rant and ramble about. Coming out of COVID, some thoughts on what you might could do to reinvigorate and re-energize your brand. Uh, it can be looking at things like Popeyes and Champion and kind of how they executed and, and figuring again, out your you, own. Well, here's the other thing I'd say about Champion. Again, they, they released some other higher-end lines. It, they didn't pivot as far as do a new thing. And I think both of these, looking at these brands... You One, Champion, I think, proves you can come back with the same product. Quite frankly, a cheap, blasé, Champion gray sweatshirt. Now, 
Champion is sort of the sweatshirt. Like, if you look back historically, they are the fleece line sweatshirt. They need to own that too. Like, they, and they, they do. They, but. They, but, but that, it doesn't require a big change. You probably have all of the ingredients in your current kitchen to reinvigorate and reintroduce your bank brand. And let me uh, make sure no one sends me a bunch of hate email for correction. Alvin C. Copeland, who started Popeye's Chicken, named the stores after the fictional detective Jimmy Popeye Doyle in the movie The French Connection, not the comic strip character. However, the chain acquired the rights to Popeye the Sailor for its marketing and used it for 35 years. So it's a weird, like, he named it after a character he liked Popeye in a movie. Popeye Doyle. Yeah. Gene then, Hackman, great movie. It was. And then he said, hey, but Popeye the but Sailor why the- will make marketing. And then after they said they don't want to, well, they didn't want to pay. They were paying millions of dollars a year for, for the rights. For a character that kind of gone obsolete. And they said, so let's just. And Wimpy eats hamburgers. Yeah, exactly. So spinach and hamburger restaurant. But anyway, they, um, they dropped the Popeye's Association in 2006 and went to Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen. And it's since just known as Popeye's as their own brand mark and not with the sailor's face or, or Other marks. than the success of the, of the recent sandwich, they should have. I don't know. Chicken time. I don't know. But anyway, uh, that's enough about chicken. I'm getting hungry. Uh, To the point, I hope you can take something out of this. Uh, And if you ask your agency or yourself to do something truly unique, don't look for examples of someone who's done it before. If that's the only thing you take away from this, that's probably a pretty good takeaway. So for the Marketing Money Podcast, this is Johnny Oxford and John Mabus. Later. and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual participants and do not reflect the official policy or position of any financial institution or agency, Renaissance Corporation, Renaissance Bank and its affiliates, or the Mabus Agency. For more information, please visit marketingmoneypodcast.com.